you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Welcome. I'm your host, Susan Rosen, and today's podcast is all about sleep. And it's actually an updated version of a podcast I did a couple of years ago. A little different, but definitely new. As those of us over 50 know very well, as with everything else, our quality of sleep is not as good as it used to be when we were younger. Personally, I used to go to sleep fast and stay asleep. Now, not so much. There are a variety of reasons for that. One is that as we get older, this means anyone over 40, really, we are not as efficient at sleeping. People say that we don't need as much sleep, but science is proving that that is not true. Some of the issues are that we don't get into as deep a sleep. We tend to have to get up during the night to go to the bathroom, and our brains are not as strong and as good at storing and processing new information as our younger brains were. We also aren't as efficient in releasing human growth hormone into our system while we sleep. And it's during deep stage sleep that our body does all of its cleaning up, especially your brain, as well as the organizing and consolidating and practicing what we've learned that day. And you can learn more about that in a podcast that I did a couple of weeks ago having to do with memory. So some of the other things that your body does during deep sleep is it lowers your blood pressure, allowing your heart and blood vessels time to reset or to rest, sorry. You lower your blood sugar levels, which helps protect you from type 2 diabetes, and it also kills harmful bacteria and viruses, reduces inflammation, specifically C-reactive protein, which I'm sure you've all heard of, which is linked to, among other things, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, heart disease, and some kinds of cancers. I know for myself that overall, I feel better now than when I used to sleep an average of five and a half or six and a half hours a night when I was working full time. And that's because I now try to get seven to eight hours. I'm sleeping longer at night than I did even five years ago because now I am prioritizing it. Not to mention the fact that I have the flexibility to set my own schedule. What a difference that has made to my health, my brain, and my overall life. The negative ramifications of not getting enough good productive sleep are many. Just a few of them are weight gain, which is related to an increase in hunger and appetite due to increased ghrelin, which is a peptide that makes us hungry, and decreased leptin, which is a peptide that makes us feel full. So we eat more when we're tired. That makes sense. Heart disease and heart attacks related to the above activity that your body takes care of during sleep. 
and strokes, diabetes, depression, and anxiety are a couple of other things that are related to not getting enough sleep. Along with impaired judgment, learning, reasoning, concentration, and problem solving, problems with memory creation and recall. I have that, even though I'm getting more sleep. And it's also been linked to automobile crashes, which is interesting. And then surprisingly, it's also been linked to skin aging because our bodies release more of our stress hormone cortisol, which breaks down collagen, which we need to keep our skin smooth and elastic. It's always amazing to learn about how all of these things in our bodies are so connected. If you need any further proof about sleep deprivation, it has been connected and has been shown to play a role in the Chernobyl meltdown, the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, and the Exxon Valdez spill. And I'm sure there are others as well, but those are the biggies kind of in my lifetime and probably yours as well. Let's take a look at ways to get to sleep now and stay asleep. We can start with diet and food. Drinking too much alcohol can help you fall asleep faster, closer to passing out probably, but it also wakes you up when the alcohol wears off, interrupting the restorative sleep cycles that our brain needs to go through. And drinking too much or too close to bedtime can also make us snore, which again interferes with getting good productive sleep. If you have heartburn, then stay away from eating, especially spicy foods, within three to four hours of going to sleep. So the food has time to digest before you lie down. Two things that can help to get you ready to sleep and keep you asleep are melatonin and magnesium. Melatonin is actually a hormone that is released from your pineal gland when it senses that it's getting dark. It doesn't actually help you get to sleep. It just tells your body that it's time to go to sleep and it makes you feel sleepy. So the melatonin release starts to slow down once you're asleep and completely shuts off when your eyes sense the sunlight at dawn. There are some foods that have melatonin in them that may help you to get sleepy if it's getting late and you still feel wide awake. Some of those foods are tart cherries, oats, bananas, honey, and walnuts. There are also melatonin supplements that you can buy, but you need to make sure that you're using one that's been shown to have the amount, the actual amount of melatonin in it that it says on the bottle. And there are some online sites who evaluate and report on different supplements. Consumer Lab, for instance, is one of those. Because you want to make sure that not only does it have enough melatonin in it, you want to make sure that it doesn't have too much melatonin. Magnesium works differently from melatonin in that it can help to calm your body and your mind. It's especially helpful with nighttime muscle and leg cramps. I use, that, use it sometimes for that. You can get it from food. Most green vegetables like spinach, kale, and chard have it, along with some nuts and seeds like almonds, pumpkin, and flax, plus beans, rice, and quinoa, dark chocolate, tuna, bananas, and avocados all have really nice amounts of magnesium. 
If you need even more than those foods can provide, then you can get your magnesium from supplements, like everything else. There are many different types. Watch out for taking too much citrate and oxide because they will definitely give you the runs. But if you're constipated, then they could also help to make you more regular, whatever works. Magnesium glycinate and L-threonate are good at getting into your system and won't affect your bowels. L-threonate is particularly good at getting through the blood-brain barrier, which is a positive because your brain, like most of the rest of your body, not surprisingly, needs magnesium to function well and stay healthy. You might want to look at some of the magnesium vitamins that have a combination of different types so you don't have to spend a lot of time mixing and matching different forms yourself. You can also, I believe, check out my website's resources page. <clears throat> it has some recommendations on brands and where to find them. Next, let's, let's talk about your bedroom or sleep space. If you can, don't work in your bedroom and try to keep it free of work-related electronics like laptops, cell phones, tablets. If you can't leave your electronics in a different room, then be sure that you turn them all the way off before you go to sleep, not just in sleep mode. You wanna keep any blue light to a minimum if you can. That's the daylight spectrum that when your eyes see it, tells your brain, oop, time to get up. It's the blue light in nature that lessens as the day goes on and disappears at night, which then tells your system to go to sleep. Now, unfortunately, all of our light bulbs and electronics can and do have blue light coming out of them. You can change your light bulbs out at night. You can get some that don't have very much blue light. They're not daylight bulbs. And that's always a good idea. So what I'm saying is that blue light essentially screws up our circadian rhythms and our brains when we start getting blue light at night because our brain doesn't know. It's getting confused. It thinks it's supposed to be going to sleep and there's blue light coming in like it's daytime. You can also find blue blocking glasses from your optician, or you can buy them on the internet, Amazon, places like that. You can get some pretty inexpensive ones. Some of them are, are actually not bad looking, but you just wear them around the house mostly. Keep your sleeping room cool, 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit, to get uninterrupted sleep because your body likes being cool. Not cold, but cool. And needless to say, keep it quiet if you can. If you hear a lot of traffic or other noise, get a white noise machine or some of those, um, you know, ear muff kind of things to block out the noise. Most importantly, get a bed that is comfortable, stays cool, and is supportive for you. One important thing to look for if you do decide to buy a new bed is to make sure that it has a generous return or exchange policy because the only way to really know if you like it is to sleep on it for at least a month and see how you feel. Again, I believe I put some bed recommendations in the resources page on my website. Exercise is important as a part of your overall health and it's also very important in helping us get better sleep. But don't do any vigorous exercise right before you go to bed as it will wake up your body and mind rather than relaxing them, which means that you're going to be tossing and turning for a little while probably before 
you go to sleep. A 2010 Northwestern study, Northwestern University study of middle-aged and older adults found that aerobic exercise, quote, resulted in the most dramatic improvement in patients' reported quality of sleep, including sleep duration, compared to any other non-pharmacological intervention, unquote. So that's one more reason to get out and get moving, like you didn't need any more. The last area I want to talk about is snoring. And snoring is something else that gets worse as we age because the tissues in our throat, just like the rest of our bodies, relax and lose some of their elasticity. And as we breathe, those tissues start to vibrate. So that's where the snoring sound comes from. And the most serious type of snoring is caused by sleep apnea, in which breathing actually stops and starts repeatedly during sleep. And again, it's because the throat relaxes and actually closes. People with sleep apnea usually need to use a CPAP, that's C-P-A-P, as in Paul, machine, which delivers air pressure through a mask over your nose, which keeps your upper airway passages open, preventing the apnea and resulting snoring. You just have to worry about the sound of the machine. For most people, just start sleeping on your side. That'll reduce your snoring. And there are actually some other things you can also try to lessen your snoring. Things like losing weight if you're overweight, nasal strips that that keep your nose open, treating your allergies if they're causing congestion because lying down then makes you get even more congested. And there are other tips that you can find on the internet. The hardest part is finding the one that works best for you. For me, for instance, sleeping on my side works But unfortunately, I like to sleep on my back. So even if I go to sleep on my side, I end up on my back. And then I get, you know, poked. My husband will poke me in the the shoulder or call my name and wake me up a little bit and tells me to turn over. So, so much for uninterrupted sleep. I hope you've gotten the message that good productive sleep is probably one of, if not the, most important thing you can and should do to stay healthy, especially if you're over 50, because our bodies are not as efficient at doing anything as they used to be. And to close, always remember that I am not a doctor and whatever I'm talking about here on this podcast is not medical advice. I am just pointing you in the direction of going and finding your own information. If you're having medical issues, please go and see your doctor or go to the emergency room, whatever is appropriate. So that's it for today's show. And I will look forward to talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.